It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. Can the Steelers hang on for one more ride with Big Ben? We saw the best of the Chargers on Sunday. Plus, are Alabama and Georgia the only teams that matter? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Pittsburgh Steelers still have life. A... Somewhat controversial decision at the end by the Baltimore Ravens to go for two and the win gives the Pittsburgh Steelers a 20-19 victory. They get to 6-5-1 and one amid reports that Big Ben and the Steelers will part ways after the season. Joining me now from Lockdown Steelers is Chris Carter. And, and Chris, maybe you and I both, as a Lockdown Packers host as well, have a last dance situation on our hands. But the Steelers look like a team that might actually be able to dance a little bit. Yeah, they do. You know, they're they're a team that right now. I, I said this; it's crazy. We were just talking about this after the getting trounced by the Bengals. I was like, you know, you were like, "Wow, is this team dumb?" And I'm done, and I'm like, I don't think so. I, I really think that this team has a shot to to compete if they're healthy. Um, and we saw T.J. Watt not doing well last week, not being as explosive off the ball, and then all of a sudden uh, this week three-and-a-half sacks. Uh, Chris Wormley gets two-and-a-half. The, the, the defense is playing at a high level. So, um, all in all, I, I think this team, if the, if they can get that playmaker on the field, I, I believe the Steelers are 6-2 and two when he plays uh, a full game this year. Uh, if, he's, if he can be free and available, he's going, to be the, he's going to be the key here for the Steelers to be able to win their football games. So, we will see if, um, if that holds up. Uh, but in the long run, we're looking at a situation where they need they need Ben Roethlisberger to be clean like he was in this game. He had two touchdown passes, no interceptions, didn't turn the ball over. And the, and the not turning the ball over a big thing. Of course, uh, Lamar Jackson a week ago couldn't stop turning the ball over. In in the second half, that was when the offense really uh, they they broke out, and it it had been quite the struggle for them <laughs> throughout the day. Did you see something? Was there something that you felt like, okay, this is something that that they can build on and use moving forward as they come down the stretch here and try and snag one of those one of those wild card spots or maybe even win their division? That's the thing, though, Peter. It's it's the things that I've been saying for a while uh, when it comes to when it comes to where Ben Roethlisberger needs to go with the football. They need to attack the middle of the field more. They need to oh, you get the ball to their playmakers. You know, Deontay Johnson, two touchdowns in this game. He's proving to be you know an, an elite route runner. He gets open very consistently, uh, finding creative ways to get the ball in the hands of Najee Harris. But also, I, I would not underestimate. 
the performance or understate the performance of the Steelers' offensive line in this game. Zero, or excuse me, one sack on Ben Roethlisberger. But when you look at how that they were able to push and get the run game going uh, with a fourth string, really off, left guard there with Kevin Dotson on IR, uh, J.C. Hassenhauer's injured, and then uh, B.J. Finney was hurt in this game, and they're missing um, uh, Joel Haig who's on, on COVID right now. They really have, like, their fourth or fifth option at the at left guard, and John and Lou delivered in a big way against a defensive line I thought was going to trounce them with Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams. I mean, those guys used to beat up on Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro some nights. So, uh, to me, this was just a sign that the offense was figuring things out, one, running the ball late, but also uh, getting the, getting the finding ways to get the ball in the hands of their playmakers. That's the thing about this roster, man. People say people want to talk about the Steelers and they when they look at a loss and they say, ah, this roster doesn't have any talent on it. I, I disagree entirely. I think Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool are all viable weapons that can be used in the near future by this offense. Um, it's just gonna be a matter of can Ben Roethlisberger get the ball to them in situations where they can make big plays. Thanks for making Lockdown Today your first listen of the day. Coming up, we saw the best of Justin Herbert and the Chargers on Sunday. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. With the Chargers beating Cincinnati on Sunday afternoon, the Kansas City Chiefs needed to beat Denver on Sunday night to stay in first in the AFC West. Well, it wasn't pretty, but the Kansas City Chiefs got it done. They earned the win on Sunday night football against the Denver Broncos and are now pulled even with everyone in the AFC lead. This is going to be fun in the West in particular as they continue to fight. I'm Ryan Tracy from Locked On Chiefs. This is a night where they had to get some things done in an unconventional way. Winning ugly is still winning, and it's good to see them be able to adapt. Is there still frustrations with the offense? There certainly is. Is it good to see the defense be able to pick up the slack and get them secured so they can have this momentum going towards the end of the season? It's a prerequisite for any kind of chance to make a run. And this does, at the end of the day, have to be a full team effort. We're going to get deep into the details this week. Make sure you're listening along over on Locked On Chiefs. Detroit finally found a way to win a game. Jared Goff threw an 11-yard touchdown pass to Amon Ross St. Brown as time expired, lifting the previously winless Lions to a 29-27 victory over the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. The Lions ended a 15-game winless streak that lasted 364 days since winning at Chicago last season, giving first-year coach Dan Campbell his first victory with the franchise and given the current state of this team, it might be another 364 until they win another one. Notre Dame and Oklahoma State both had visions of making the college football playoff, but instead the two teams will face each other in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl on New Year's Day. The fifth-ranked Fighting Irish and new head coach Marcus Freeman were left on the outside looking in at the college football playoff, while the Cowboys' attempt to barge into the semifinals came up just short with a Big 12 title game defeat. The search is over in Norman to fill Lincoln Riley's head coaching vacancy. 
week-long coaching search for the Oklahoma Sooners is coming to a conclusion. This is John Williams, host of the Lockdown Sooners podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. According to reports from Bruce Feldman of The Athletic and Pete Dammel of CBS Sports, the Oklahoma Sooners are set to name Brent Venables the 23rd head coach in Oklahoma school history. Venables joins the Sooners after a successful run as the defensive coordinator for Clemson, helping Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers win two national championships and be a thorn in the side of the SEC. Venables returns to Oklahoma looking to help restore Oklahoma's defensive identity and return it to prominence. He was first on the staff as a defensive coordinator under Bob Stoops in the early 2000s, coming over from Kansas State, where he and Stoops spent time on the legendary Bill Snyder's staff. For more on this and more Oklahoma Sooners news, make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Sooners podcast. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms and on YouTube, so make sure you hit the subscribe button. Follow me on Twitter at John9Williams, where we'll have more to say about the Brent Venables. That's what happened last night. Here's what to look for coming up on betonline.ag, your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season. The final four are set in the college football playoff, and the odds to win it all are Alabama, plus 120, Georgia, plus 140, Michigan, plus 650, and if you really want a long shot, Cincinnati is at plus 950. As for the semifinal games themselves, Alabama 13 and a half point favorites over Cincy with the over-under at 58, and Georgia an eight-point favorite over Michigan, the over-under 44. For all your gambling needs, betonline.ag has you covered. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to get that bonus. Here is another story you need to know. It felt like a game where one of these teams got to announce itself as the upstart AFC contender. And it was the Chargers putting the beat down on the Cincinnati Bengals 41 to 22. Joining me now from Locked On Chargers is Daniel Wade. And, and this is a game that Justin Herbert was allowed to be Justin Herbert. Deep balls to Mike Williams, to Jalen Guyton. Why has it taken so long for this to just be who they are? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think a question many Charger fans, you know, were asking a lot of average depth of target talk out there for sure surrounding the Chargers. And like when you look at those things, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has been affected by it a little bit. Josh Allen has been affected by it a little bit. And just the different ways that teams will play them, the too high safety look, trying to take away the explosive plays. But at a certain point, you have to manufacture it yourself. And I think that's what the Chargers did today is, hey, we're just going to give Mike Williams not a wide open opportunity, but give him a chance to go get a 40-yarder, right? And three 40-plus yard passes in the first half is what Charger fans have been waiting for. And I think what this offense can be when they do let it up a little bit, right? And he did throw a pick on a ball similar to that, but he still liked taking the chance, right? And having them trying to get those deep plays because he's not Drew Brees. He can't do 15 play drives, you know, over and over again with precision, three yard, seven yard, eight yard passes. I mean, and you shouldn't when you have an arm like Justin Herbert does. But yeah, I think it has just been a new offensive coordinator, the way teams are playing them and trying to, you know, evolve on the fly with all of those factors going into it. I know they did have the hilarious Jamar Chase bobble drop interception, but the defense also on the whole played, a lot better than than they have for much of the season. They've been an inconsistent yeah. group. They have not been able to stop the run. So what what clicked other than they just played better? Because sometimes it really is just as easy as, yeah, we just we just beat blocks and made tackles. 
Yeah, well, I think it all starts up front with the pressure, right? Because the pressure can really cover up deficiencies, let's say, you have in the secondary. Like, everything feeds off of that. When you can take Joe Burrow down six times, that's always going to make your secondary look a Mm -hmm. lot better. But, I mean, they're just finally making the plays. I think the most surprising thing, though, is doing it without Joey Bosa. A lot of those, you know, sacks came with Joey Bosa in the locker room. Joey Bosa had to leave with a head injury. So that's your best pressure player. And the other guys haven't been able to get through even with all the attention that's paid to him. So it was a very banged up Cincinnati offensive line. You have to take that into account, but they played plenty of banged up offensive lines where the pressure didn't look like it did today. So the guys were making plays on the back end. The fumbles were being recovered by the chargers. No dropped interceptions that were super obvious, but they need turnovers, right? To, to win with this defense as it's currently constructed. I mean, they can't, they're not going to be a top 10 defense or anything close to that, even a medium or average defense if they're not turning it over. So I think, you know, after only turning it over twice in the past four games going into this one, the turnovers and the pressure are really what did it. How serious a contender can this version of the Chargers be in the AFC? I mean, I think it's it's hard to say they're a Super Bowl contender right now, but no one was thinking that going into this game. So at least going in like after getting that win, you feel like, okay, you can beat a good team in the AFC with a good defense because that's the biggest thing. We hadn't seen the Chargers offense look good. If they can go out and do what they did offensively because moved it all day, even the drives that ended poorly were just turnovers to Austin Eckler fumbles. They can beat anybody, but still, it's hard to say, hey, legitimate Super Bowl contenders. But in the AFC, who can you really say that about at this point? Coming up are Alabama and Georgia, the only teams that matter in college football. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar in a lot of cases. Uh, they're, the, the coconut brownie Built Bar is like my favorite candy bar. It's incredible, but it's low in calories, low in sugar, low in net carbs, low in fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, and they're delicious. Delicious and healthy. So many flavors you have to choose from. You've got double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, mint brownie, bonus flavors all the time. And they give you extra fuel, extra fuel that you need in the holiday season. Maybe to just get get to work, you need something, grab and go. Or you need something in the middle of the day. I'm, I'm like a 2.30, 3 o'clock snacker. I'm also like a late morning snacker. And it's, it's actually a really good thing late morning because... You, you feel like you're getting something that's good. It's not quite lunch food. You still feel like, okay, this is kind of, um, it's a bar. It's kind of breakfast. It's in between, but it's delicious and it's covered in chocolate. Not, what am I going to ever say no to chocolate? No, thank you. Uh, my family, they don't know it yet, but they're getting built bars in their stockings. That's a true story. I'm pointing to the stockings just, just out the door here on the mantle. They're going to get built bars in their stocking stuffers. They're a great stocking stuffer because they do taste like candy, but they're better for you, a lot better for you than candy. They taste so good. You will not believe they're filled with protein. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the day. After Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC title game, the college football playoff committee seemingly got it right. Alabama number one, Michigan number two, Georgia number three, and Cincinnati number four, setting up a potential rematch with Alabama and Georgia, which is frankly the matchup that this season deserves. Joining me now from Locked on SEC is Chris Gordy. And Chris, these games, the first games anyway, they're going to feel like an appetizer 
to college football fans because I think everyone knows there's there is only two teams in the country who really matter this year. Yeah, it feels that way. And, you know, it's unfortunate for a school like Cincinnati that's been knocking on the door for a couple years now saying, hey, we want in, we want in, let us into the playoff. Okay, you get into the playoff, go play Alabama. Uh, (laughs) I I hate to be a prisoner of the moment and and say you're just going to get your brains beat in for Alabama because just two days ago or three days ago, my opinion on Alabama was very different. I saw a team that struggled to control the line of scrimmage. I saw a team that struggled to protect Bryce Young, struggled – uh, defensively, giving up big chunk yardage. And all that went out the window with their performance on Saturday <laughs> against Georgia. Now, again, things could change. Maybe they could resort back to the Alabama we saw for much of this year that was very inconsistent. They're going to be without uh, their star wide receiver, John Mechie. It sounds like he has an ACL injury and he's going to be out. Uh, but the bad news is for Cincinnati, there's stud guys behind him. So, uh, yeah, I think most people are going to hop on and say it's Alabama and they're just going to demolish Cincinnati. Unfortunate for them that that's who they have to face. For Michigan, look, this is not a bad Michigan team. We've been waiting for years and years for John Harbaugh to finally break through, and he's got a uh, a really tough matchup against a good Georgia team that, by the way, feels very disrespected today because of how far they fell in the committee's eyes. I'm not going to overlook Cincinnati or Michigan, but after what we saw on Saturday, what if your Georgia would make you go, okay, if we get Alabama again, we can, we can create a different outcome because the version of Alabama that we saw on Saturday looked about as unstoppable as it gets against a team that stopped everyone this season, historically good defense. Yeah. I I saw a game that got away from Georgia um, I mean, let's not forget, Georgia came out of the gates swinging. They were up 10 0. Um, that field goal drive, they probably should have punched it in and, you know, ends up getting sacked, Stetson Bennett. But, I mean, let's imagine a world where they go up 14 0 there. You know, can the defense put their throat on, on, on Alabama? And then late in the game, fourth quarter, where Georgia had to get stops, they were getting stops. I mean, they were forcing Alabama three and outs and forcing them to punt, getting the ball back in their offense's hands. And, while their offense did go down and score a couple touchdowns, man, the pick six is, was what was killer. So if I look back at this film and I'm Georgia, I go, guys, there's a lot of things we did good in this game. We just kind of let it get away from us and play bad, a bad second quarter and then gave a, up a, a go-ahead touchdown for Alabama, you know, with the first possession of, uh, coming out of halftime. Like, if we don't fall behind 31-17, we'll be just fine. So if I'm Georgia, that's encouraging. you got to get better, and maybe this is what you need. We've seen this before in college football and college basketball where a team that's undefeated takes their first loss and they kind of regroup. I would not be surprised if Georgia regroups and gets the better of Alabama in a rematch. And finally, Adrian Peterson made history in his Seattle Seahawks debut on Sunday. The 36-year-old running back who signed with Seattle earlier in the week scored a one-yard touchdown in the second quarter of Seattle's 30-23 win over the 49ers. The score gave Peterson 126 career touchdowns, tying him with Jim Brown for 10th all-time. Thanks for making Locked On Today your first listen of the day. Now that you've got the news, go make some money. Make your second listen, Locked On Bets. Download and subscribe free and available on all platforms. Coming up Tuesday, did the NFL save the best for last this week? Full Pat's Bills breakdown. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today. 